Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study on TalkShoot. Appreciate you folks being there in the chat room, putting up with my ranting and raving before the program started. But I appreciate you being there very much. How you doing, David? I'm doing very well, Pastor Don. Looking hey. forward to tonight a lot. Hey. Amen, brother. Forward Amen. to solid teaching. Amen, brother. Turn to John chapter 2, brother David, while I open yes. in a word of prayer. Okay. Heavenly Father. I thank you so much for this time that we have to spend tonight together, Father. And as we open the bread of life, I pray that you would uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, as it says in Psalms 19:14, Lord. And I pray that you'd give each and every one in the chat room and everyone that downloads this program tonight a special blessing in their life. Watch over them, take care of them, bless them in health, bless them in finances, bless them in every way you possibly can, Father, for their good, for your honor and your glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, folks, we're going to try to get out of John chapter 2, verse 1 tonight. We got halfway through the verse and uh, got got off on the bride of christ so tonight i'm going to let brother david read the first five verses and then we'll go back and come through them and make some comments brother david if you don't mind just start yes. at verse one and read through verse five and then we'll go back and come down through it and, and a little do a little exposition on it okay john chapter two verse one and the third day there was a marriage in canaan of galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. <clears throat> and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Amen. Amen. All right, starting in verse 3, Brother Dave, let's see. And when they and when they wanted wine, when they wanted wine, folks, he's at a marriage. Okay, let me start back up in verse 1. And we talked about, I took you all on a little jaunt the other night talking about the bride of Christ. I made mention of the Song of Solomon and said a lot of stuff. The ones that didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. Maybe you're the one I was speaking to. Don't know who it was, but I'm speaking to somebody. Talking about the Lord giving you light about 
more light and more wisdom out of the Word of God about the bride of Christ and the elect, because that's who it is, and it's throughout the Word of God. Sarah was a type. Rachel was a type. All the way through, Ruth is a type. All the way through the Scriptures, all right, was the typology in the Old Testament of what was coming in the New. It foreshadowed what was coming in the New. And then Paul just plainly comes out and tells you all about it. Okay, and it's also a great mystery, just like I told you the other night. Anyway, you'll notice in the book of John, if you and I'm sure most people, this is where a lot of people start once they become Christian, they start reading in the Gospel of John. And I made mention of it in the introduction to the book, that it's both um, a child can get a hold of it, and, a, and anybody that's, got, that's seasoned in the Word, an aged person in the Word can still get revelation from this book. Okay? The word Jew is prominent in this book and not in a good context. That's why a lot of CI love to quote John, at John 8:44, all this stuff, but the Jew is not in a good context in the Gospel of John. That should tell you something about the main, main times that it's used, the word Jew is used over 44 times in the Gospel of John. And most of them have to do in a bad, bad way. So he's not talking about Judah. He'll be talking about the mixed-breed Edomite Jews. That's where a lot of people don't like John for that reason. Okay? But it's the truth. John, is he tells you that Cain was of that wicked one in his epistles. All right? People don't even know what that verse is because most people don't read the epistles of John. But John plainly tells you that Cain was of that wicked one. And you're going to find out as we go through here, there's no room for Mother Mary full of grace. Blessed be the fruit of the loom. She, her name is found nowhere in the Gospel of John. <gasps> Did you know that? Mary is nowhere in the Gospel of John. It mentions her as his mother, and he calls her woman. I wonder if you called your mother woman. Wonder what she'd do. Or did she slap you upside the head? <laughs> but this is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords speaking here. Isn't it strange? Would you have known that? That he calls her woman? And he's referred to as his mother, but Mary, the word M-A-R-Y, Mary, dealing with his mother, is not in the Gospel of John. He doesn't call her Mary. He's always calling her woman. This is the greatest thing that's, that you people in the Catholic Church, they want to make that big deal about the Queen of Heaven because that's, that's all it is. And if you've never read, if you've never read the most definitive work ever written on the subject, The Two Babylons by Dr. Alexander Hislop, I've, I've recommended it probably 15 20 times in the last three years, and I'm doing it again tonight because it's the most definitive work ever done that shows you that all Catholicism is, the roots of it are the worship of Nimrod and Semiramis, and it's Baal worship. That's all it is. And she's the queen of heaven. It's every, every icon, every idol that's represent, that Mary represents, 
He goes through every bit of it and proves it beyond any shadow of a doubt. And that scholar wrote back in the 18th century. Nobody's ever touched his work as far as its greatness. Okay? Period. So check it out. You might enjoy it. But here in verse 5, Mary makes a fantastic statement. It's the greatest thing she ever said. And I was listening to a few um, Bible expositors this past week, and I heard them say they had wished they had done in there. They had a sermon on this verse, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, I did a sermon only and only got 84. My great only was only 80. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's a great sermon. That's the greatest thing Mary ever said, as far as I'm concerned. Whatsoever he, he who, Jesus Christ, saith unto you, do it. You're talking about a verse that'll preach. That'll preach. But I was listening to some of these big-name folks out there talking about, they said, well, I ought to have done, made a, a certain, yeah, you really should. Because it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing that she said. Like I said, that'll preach. Anyway, back up here it talks about they ran out of wine. So probably since Mary was invited and Jesus and the disciples were invited, probably more than likely it was one of some of Mary's kinfolk's wedding. And they had gotten invited to the wedding. And Jesus and his disciples came. And then Mary wants him to... She wants him to, this is the first miracle that's, that is, if you're fixing to find that out, because John tells you later on down here in the chapter, this was the first miracle that, that Jesus began to do. This is the beginning of his ministry. And turning water into wine was his first miracle. And, and, and like I said last, um, like I said this past Friday night, the first thing he done on the third day, and me and Brother David made some comments about the third day, all the way through the scriptures, that three's got a meaning. Third day, third year, third month, third birth, all through the scriptures got a meaning. If you just look for it, the Spirit will show it to you. But the wine is a type of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Remember on the day of Pentecost what they said, Brother David? They thought that the apostles were, were drunk with wine. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes. And wine is a type of the Holy Spirit, folks. Don't lose sight of that as we get further on down right here, okay? Because we're going to take a little journey when we get down to what can, what was the container for this wine, okay? Brother David, you can go ahead and pick up. Okay. Verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. That's over 20 gallons, folks, in case you, I don't, I don't know what liter, I don't, I don't care what liters are, all right? <laughs> I could care less, but I, I'm telling you it's over 20, it's probably about 24 gallons right in there somewhere, okay? That's what fir, those firkins add up to in good old U.S. of A gallons. I, I, I couldn't more tell you what a liter was to save my life. I could care less. I'm not, like I've told you many, many times before, if the world's selling it, Brother Don ain't buying it. And I I know, I'm just an old backwards redneck, right? Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, the wine, there's six water pots sitting here. Six. Do you know what the number six is? 
what it represents, Brother David? Number of men? That's right. Six water pots. It also is representative of the six, 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 the mark of the beast. But six is the number of man. Tells, the, the Word of God tells you that. So these are water pots, and they're empty. That's what you were before you had a dead spirit. You were a water pot, stone cold dead on the market. For ye were, the Apostle Paul says, dead in trespasses and sin. And I get so tired of hearing some of my brethren trying to trying to preach. Well, anyway, I'm not going to get off on that. But you were, the Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sin. You had a dead spirit within. And the wine that Christ gives is a type of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God that dwells in you and seals you to the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 4, that's a type of the Holy Spirit. This wine here is a type. This, this book is filled. This got the simple on the surface meaning then it ties in with, with the regular doctrines of the New Testament. That's how deep this book is. And you can go deeper than that with the wine business, okay, if you want to. But Brother David gave you all a good testimony the other night. I'm going to depart for just a second because I think it's needful, especially right here since we're dealing with these water pots. Because, folks, I won't, I don't want you ever to forget this. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you probably don't forget it. You might act like you do, you might talk like you do, but I'm sure in the recesses of your mind and spirit, you realize you're still a water pot. The greatest Christian that ever lived, he understood he was still a water pot. Okay? See, something has to be done on the inside. There has to be a new creature birth. That old creature goes back to the dirt from whence it came. And the reason I'm taking us in this direction is because of that outstanding testimony Brother David gave the other night about Manchurian candidates and sexually abused and, and uh, ritually abused people. Yes, that's true. Everything That was one of the best testimonies I've heard concerning that since he especially had um, ran across a personal case himself and seen it, and did an excellent job. But I don't want you to misunderstand as well. While I'm talking, Brother David, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 6, okay? Okay. I want you to understand that I don't care how good you think you are, you're still a water pot. The only thing good in you is what Christ makes takes regular old water and turns to wine, which, like I told you, is a type of the spirit. And that spirit is part of the spiritual man that's within you. That's the new creature, not the flesh. See, this is where a lot of our brethren drop the ball. They drop the ball. They don't understand the teaching. Peter didn't even get it. He told you he didn't even. It was hard for him to understand sometimes. 
But it's been 2,000 years now, and the Holy Spirit, who was supposed to come and lead and guide us into all truth, has shown his servants down through the years this meaning that this for what I'm fixing to show you right here. All right? You're always going to, this flesh is going to be a water pot unless, remember the other night when Brother Dave, I took him and we went and read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about, he shall, behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. That's the only way that water pot is going to be any good and you still be sucking air is for that moment in time to take place. And it hadn't happened yet. Okay? <laughs> so, Whenever that day comes, if those that are alive and remain should be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, Paul says in, Thessal in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Okay? And in First Thessalonians as well. That's what he's referring to when in First and Second Thessalonians when he talks about that in First Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. So everybody's not going to die. That's the only way that water pot gets changed while you're breathing air. Okay? While you're breathing air on on terra, this plane called terra firma. Okay? You're a water pot. I want you to uh, start reading, Brother Dave. Let me turn over there as well. I'm not going to try to guess at the verse I want you to start. I want you to just uh, let me file down through here. I think it's down next to the end of the chapter. Uh, yeah, start at verse 20. Start at verse 20 and just keep on reading right out of chapter 6 into chapter 7 because then Paul will explain what I've just got through making reference to. Okay? Certainly. Romans 6 verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Okay, but now, the I, want husband... you stop, I want you to stop right there. Paul is using the marriage scenario as a type here, folks, to show you something much greater. Pay close attention. There's people that go here to try to prove, talk about divorce and marriage and remarriage. That's not what this is about because this chapter heading was put, it was just put in. Paul is continuing the context from Romans chapter 6. That's the reason we started in Romans 6. And I told Brother Dave to continue reading right on into Romans 7. Okay? He, Paul's continuing the thought. He's explaining what he's just got through teaching you in Romans 4, 5, 4, 5, and, and 6, where we started reading. Then now he's going to explain and use his own self. He's going to use his own self. 
I said, he's going to use, the greatest Christian that ever lived is going to use his own self to give you a perfect example of what's inside these water pots of stone. Okay? And it's a contrast. I want you to pay close attention. You get this, you understand this, and you will be so and I, I don't say this by any stretch of the imagination. I say this humbly, okay? I'm not trying to sound braggadocious or make any kind of outrageous claim. This is nothing, I mean, this is not This is not something that the Lord specifically gave me because this has been taught for a long time, and it's absolutely doctrinally true. And you've got people that's tried to change this, your, your charismatics try to change it. They try to make it not what it is. They don't read from 6 into 7 like we're doing tonight. They'll try to explain it away as Paul's talking about himself before he got saved and all this. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not at all what Paul's saying. This You're fixing to get a good taste of your Christian life, your Christian battles. This is why you need to always remember that your spiritual man, your new man, is not the flesh. It never was. There's a sealing process that takes place between your flesh man and your spiritual man. The new man, as Paul calls it. The outward man is the stone pot. The inward man is the new creature, the new birthed creature. And Paul's fixing to show you the dilemma that you're going to have. So if you're a new Christian, especially if you're a new Christian, you need to listen to this because if you don't understand this, you will get discouraged. You have a lot of people that will depart from the faith because they just they ain't no use. I just can't. I, just, I, I don't know what's going on. I must have not, the Lord must have not have saved me. How could I think that kind, those kind of thoughts and, and be a Christian? Remember, we war not against flesh and blood, okay? We war spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of Christ. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So don't let some spirit, don't let some, one of the archons, exusius, or cosmocroticos, or a demon, try to come in and whisper in your mind, if you followed and obeyed the gospel, as Paul says earlier in Romans, then that's what you have to you have to trust by faith. See, it's not something you see. For the just shall live by faith. Three times Paul quotes it in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith, and faith of the faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things in OT, not seen, S-E-E-N, okay, got it, not seen, but God has given us a revelation through his word that 
through by the Spirit, if we believe the Word, that's all we're supposed to need is trust that Word by faith. That's why I attack those that attack the book. Because if you mess with the book, you mess with the only thing that we have that we can actually see that supports our 95% unseen faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making myself clear, Brother David? Yes, you are. Thank you. You've got to understand that, folks. Anybody attacks this book, I'll attack them unmercifully. You start cutting the book, you start cutting down faith. You destroy the faith in some, as Paul says. It it destroys the faith in those that have put faith in the book. When you first was a Christian, you didn't need nobody to tell you that that was God's Word. It took a man to come along and try to tell you something was wrong with that Word. See, God didn't tell you that. You're a liar. You're you're a bald-faced liar if you said he did because I've never heard an honest testimony from any one person across North America that's ever said that the Lord showed them that this book was wrong. Okay? A man showed you or a man told you. So, you attack this book, I'll attack you. Do my best to get rid of you. Because I don't want you around. Because like I said, this is the only thing that a babe in Christ has to rest his faith on that he can actually see. So, you know where I stand now. So, go ahead, Brother David. Let's continue on down. And here's Paul's testimony about his Christian battle. See if it sounds Verse familiar to any of you folks, okay? Go ahead, brother. Verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Okay, do you understand what Paul has just told you, folks? He's just told you that the law was, he's using the the husband-wife and using the law as a type of a husband that's dead. Do you understand what he just said? Did you pick up on it? Did you catch it? So to be married to another, he says he's writing to them that know the law. So he's trying to tell them that know the law that that husband is dead so they can be married to another. Do you know what Luke 16, 16 says, folks? Real quick, Brother David, go to Luke 16, 16 and read it for him. Okay. I think I'm... If my memory is, is better tonight than it was the other night, I think this is the right verse. It'll 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 say uh, something. The law like, and the prophets were until John was what? That was, time. But whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down, slow. Down. Let's 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 take it word by word. Let's watch this. The law and the prophets were what until? Does it does it not say until? 
Yes, it does. Until John. John. What happened, what happened after John? What does it say? Then, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. There you go. Great. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth by our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, there's so much confusion over this out there that it's pitiful. And you're going to run into it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and some of you has failed prey to it as well. The law and the prophets were until, John. Do you know what the word until means? That something came after and negated the two before. That's the reason Paul makes the statements he makes in Galatians, the first few chapters. See, they want you. You're Paul bashing people out there. Won't blame the apostle Paul when brother Luke and the Lord Himself tried to tell you that all through the Gospels, like we've tried to show you as we went through all the Gospels. You say, what you say? Well, the law's not. Not. I'm not saying there's no nothing. No, don't get me wrong. It's got its purpose. It's for it's it's here for a reason. What is its reason it's here, Brother David? You know what it is. You know the answer to that. It's here to be your tutor, your schoolmaster, teacher, schoolmaster, and to teach you that you can't keep the law. That's it. That's what it's for. It's a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ is what it is. Once you realize that you're dead in trespasses and sin and there's no way you can keep that law, then you realize that you can't and you trust your propitiation and the blood sacrifice that was made for you by God himself. Just like Paul says in Romans chapter 10, for they, speaking of Israel, while going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They're lost, folks. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God, Brother David? Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Back to Romans 7, and let's continue on. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. Married, you whoa, whoa, married to another, who? The one that's raised from the dead, then he is your bridegroom, and you are the bride. See there? It's all through the New Testament, folks. It's staring you right in the face. You've got to slow down. The Spirit of God stop you at, these, at, the, at the way the sentence structure is. Let Him stop you. Let Him teach you. Let the Spirit of God teach you. Don't go running around just jumping from one man to the other. Just, I'm going to listen to him. And, and, and spew out what some man says. Let the Spirit of God teach you. He is the ultimate teacher. Yes, he uses man. I'm not saying he doesn't. You, I wouldn't have been preaching all this long and teaching, okay? Of course he does. 
But of course he doesn't too, see. I hope you understand what I just said. Continue on, Brother David. Wherefore, my brethren, ye... No, sorry, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Okay, now see what he's saying. I finished verse 4. We stopped in the middle of it. We did, we did. Go ahead and start it there, Tom. Okay, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Amen. For when we were in the flesh, okay, the now, motions... Okay, now wait, wait just a second. Let me explain this. Let me go down, because this is where a lot of people don't understand. For when we were in the flesh, what's he talking about? You're still in the flesh. See there? Did you stop and when you read that, ask yourself that? What's he mean? For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members, your members, like your fingers, your toes, your eyes, your mouth, your ears, your members, to bring forth unto death. See? He's saying, well, I, well, I'm still in the flesh. Yeah, but what? You just remember that phrase because Paul's going to switch gears on you and you've got to be able to catch it, okay? Continue on, Brother David. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Do you people understand what he just said? Is that clear? Is there, do you understand what he just said? Is there anything ambiguous to you? That's a clear statement. It's First, saying that we we, uh, we are dead in Christ, right? We are, we've seen ourselves dead and buried like Christ, and now we're seen in the newness of the resurrection, with the, the newness of the Spirit of Christ. Uh, eventually, that. eventually, that's exactly what it's saying, but it's saying that we're in the Spirit now. It's that little last yes, thing. We're the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We're we're in the newness of the spirit, not not by the law. It's no more by the law. It's just got through telling you we're dead to the law. Yes. Because it, it did its job. It did its job. It led us it led us to Christ. That's what it reason mm-hmm. it's called a schoolmaster, see. Verse seven, brother. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. See Nay. there? See there? Go ahead, brother. I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. Okay, now do you, you see how plain that is? See how plain that is, folks? There's nothing hard to understand about that. If you were to take away preconceived ideas and throw them in a the garbage can and believe the book for what it says. All right? Paul says, nay, back up here in verse 7. 
He says, nay. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, of course not. It's here for a reason. It was here all the time for a reason. It was here all the time for a reason. Not to bring salvation to anybody. Period. Only one person ever kept it. And that was God manifest in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Okay? That's the only one. Everybody else, the schoolmaster, took them to task. Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, had not, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So, when you wanted something you didn't need, <clears throat> when you want something you don't need, it's called covetousness. Did you know that? You see, if that old flesh was still the one that the Lord was watching and dealing with, it's still committing against the law. It's still breaking the law. Does that mean you got to go and get rebirthed over and over and over again? Absolutely not. See, not understanding the Scripture breeds all that heresy that's out there. Thou shalt not covet, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me, the commandment wrought in me, yes, it showed me where I was wrong. All manner of concupiscence. That's bad stuff, folks, in the old English, okay? For without the law, sin was dead. In other words, if you didn't have the law that's written in the heart to show you you were a sinner, you would never obtain the righteousness of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because you would justify your own self just like they did in Romans 10. Re just go over there and read it to them, Brother David, real quick while I'm talking. Just turn over to Romans, Romans 10. 10? Yes, in the first, it's in the first few verses. They've been going about to establish their own righteousness. You know, that verse, you'll, you'll see it. It's in the first couple of two or three verses. But anyway, see folks, that's the difference in Bible study and the people getting these ideas that their doctrines are right and just running over it. And this is what this is saying. Now, I'm showing you, trying my best to let the Holy Spirit show you that what I'm showing you is correct, okay? This is so important you understand this doctrine because if, you, if not, you'll let every principality and power and spirit wishing around in the unseen be telling you all kinds of stuff and beat you down like a beating machine. You have victory in Christ Jesus. Paul's going to tell you about that shortly. You're going, he's going to tell you the difference. He's going to show you the difference. He's going to tell you all you got to do is believe it. You've got, I'm talk, talking about a mental assent to that belief. Have faith in what this book says, folks. That's the only thing you got that you can tangible that can that that's supposed to produce your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what, brother David? By the word. Amen. See what I'm saying, folks? 
You start messing with what brings you faith, I'm going to mess with you. Promise you. Promise you. Guaranteed. Go ahead, Brother David, and read that, what I was telling him about that. That's, this is what happens when you start, you know, uh, I talk about the law. We got it, folks. Our, our persu- they're all out there. Law this, law that, law this, law that. Read it, Brother David. Yeah, they say mosaicism, the mosaic law is the religion. Hmm. I know. Yes, it is. Well, I, I, you know where they're going to wind up, okay? So I'm not going to say anything else about it. I, know I told you all the other night where those folks are going to wind up. If you remembered, if you listened. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they want it. They're going to get it. They're going to get exactly what they want, folks. God's not going to be mean. He's going to give them what they want. Good luck. Even more than they wanted, because it'll be <laughs> yeah. the law of the house, a different one, more stricter. Amen. Amen. They're going to get what they want. Bless their hearts. They're getting a free gift here. I'm not going to get it. Go ahead, brother. They read. Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know what's a funny thing, folks? Some of those people out there that I know that talk this junk, I know them. It sounds good. It sounds good. Some of the stuff that they say. And if you, if you if, I'm, I'm, I better not go that. I better not go that direction. Okay, read that one more time, Brother David. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God That's for right. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, brother. <laughs> Sit there, folks. You think, brother, not making all this stuff up lying to you? Been trying to bring you some light on some of the the, the craziness out there, all right? Some biblical light. Not whites right and Jews bad and that's all you hear 24-7. Law, 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 law. Jews, Jews bad, whites right. We're the greatest. We're number one. We're no Sound like a football team. That's what it sounds like. We're number one. We're number one. No, you know who's number one? The bride. The bride's number one. ha, ha, ha. Ah, yes. The bride's number one. Because they treated God's son kindly and believed what he had to say. Didn't reject him. Because Uh the two become one. Amen, brother. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church, Paul says in Ephesians 5. Brother Dave read the other night. Okay, back to Romans 7. Let's continue on down today. Romans 7, 
For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Okay, what's Paul talking about here? He, what's he talking about here in verse 9? For I was alive without the law once. In other words, there was a live spirit originally in each and every one of us. But guess what happened? Folks, this is it's a, a child is born pure of heart. Okay? A live spirit born. Okay, I'm not going to get into the I'm not going to get into the predestination. I'm just saying Paul says that him himself as an Israelite was alive once. But sin came and he died. In other words, the commandment came and slew that pure spirit that was within him, which made him dead in trespasses and sin. And what was that that came and slew it? The law. That's the way it came. That's what it did its job. That's the reason the Lord put it here and wrote it in stone and wrote it in the heart. Okay? Romans 1 tells you all about it. Continue on, Brother David. This is the Uh, age of accountability. This is where the doctrine of the age of accountability comes from. By the way, I will bring that to your attention as well. This is where the doctrine of the age of accountability comes in. They get it from this verse right here. So I just thought I'd bring it to your attention. Continue on, Brother Dave. Okay. Just a mental note for everyone. Concupiscence means cravings, longings, and desires. Yeah, bad stuff, First, like I said. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I just knocked it so, down to something simpler, brother. That's all. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly what the sin, uh, you know, the law does. It, it rouses in us all these cravings and longings and desires, and they just seem to get wild and out of control. You know, folks, everybody, and I've noticed some of my brothers that have got on this this uh, Hebrew Roots movement, bless their hearts. You know, they, they, they picked up on some of the, and they're just a step away from realizing who they are, by the way. I'm not going to call them names. But um, they're a step away from real, realizing their true identity. But, oh, tra- sin, what is sin? Sin's a transgression of, I, oh, gosh, I get so tired of hearing this. The, the, the people that make this statement right here don't have a clue what the Bible says. Okay? They say sin is, is, is defined as a transgression of the law. Yes, in the broad sense, yes, that's true. See, so therefore, if I don't commit adultery physically, I'm okay. If I don't covet after what my neighbor's got, I'm okay. Is that right? Is that right? Stop and think about what I'm saying now. It's, it, folks, think about what I'm saying. They try to, they run to that verse to tell you sins of transgression of the law to try to tell you that those big ten is all there is. That's not what the Word of God says. Did you know that? How many times has Brother Don got to go over it with you? This is to some of the downloaders. I know you guys. I'm not talking to you specific, anybody specifically. The thought of foolishness is sin. Can you find that in the Big Ten? The thought of foolishness? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans chapter 14, last verse. 
In other words, if you don't have faith about what you're doing, you're sinning. That's what the book. That's exactly what it say. It says, okay. Hast thou faith, Paul says, have it to thyself before God. Happy is the man that condemneth not himself in the things which he alloweth. Okay? So whatsoever of not of faith is sin. Okay? Do you see faith anywhere in the Big Ten? Is there anything there about faith? Since the word faith only occurs one time in the Old Testament. One time in Habakkuk. Did you know that? Only one time. And that was in the context of a person's personal, like his own good works or his own faith, not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in the Old Testament, the just shall live by his faith. I think it's Habakkuk 1, 6, 1, 16, something like that. It's in Habakkuk, though. The thought of foolishness is sin. You ever thought of foolish thought? You sin. Is that breaking the big ten in stone? I can't find that anywhere in the Exodus, in the Big Ten, the thought of foolishness. Well, guess what else is sin? John tell, I mean, James tells you in chapter 4, verse 17, in his book, just go there and read. This will blow, this will blow some of them's mind, brother, because some of them have never read. Go read James four seventeen. Okay. It, you, so you think that it's just sins of commission. See, because that's against the law. You, you have to commit those adulteries and everything. Christ said, if you look upon a woman, you've committed adultery already in your heart. See, he came to destroy all of that old, of all the old stuff. He didn't destroy it in as far as it, it's sin. No, it was left to bring you to him. But watch what James is. James is a big lawyer too. But watch what he says in verse 17. Of chapter 4, Brother Dave, read it. Therefore, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You got that? You know you know a lot of good things to do. Do you do them all the time? Don't lie. Yeah, then you'd be breaking one of the big... See what I'm saying? You ain't kept that law. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You got it? You faithful in your praying? You faithful in your Bible reading? You faithful in hiding the Word of God in your heart? That's all biblical commands. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See what I mean, folks? You don't stand a snowball's chance in hell if it's got to do with the flesh. Because that flesh is going to sin till the day it dies. And the only way you can check it is with the inward man, and the inward man has to grow, and the only food that inward man eats is this Word of God, which is the bread of life and the water. You got it? Bread and water. Back to Romans 7, brother. Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. That's exactly right. Go ahead, verse 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, 
and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. See, that's a, that's a slam in the face of them Paul-bashing heathens that couldn't understand a spiritual thing with a spiritual machine. Because they ain't got the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, teaching them nothing. They've done turned their back on the free gift of salvation, folks. They, that's what they've done. They've gone about to establish their own righteousness and did not submit themselves into the righteousness of God. That's the reason every third word that comes out of their mouth is the law. They have no idea about grace and truth. Nothing. I've listened to them over and over and over again. I make no judgment. I'm not going to call no names. The ones I know live like hell and talk about the law all the time. Okay? They're so stinking worldly. It's like they they got a suit of the world put on. Continue, brother. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Absolutely, exceedingly sinful. Let you know it's bad. That, that, that conviction of being dead in trespasses and sin is supposed to steer you when the light shines. You're supposed to... You hear, I'm just going to use some kind of metaphor here because it, it seems appropriate. When the light shines and you're in a dark place, you see it. Well, the sin is darkness. It's represented by darkness. And when the candle comes by, which is the light of the world, which is Jesus Christ, and the light is the lamp, which is the Word of God, it's supposed to be a light. You're supposed to go toward that light because you've realized you're in darkness. That's what the law did. It shows you that you're in darkness and you need light. Because get in a dark room, take you a cigarette lighter, a matching light, and watch the darkness dis- watch the darkness run from the light. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Next verse, brother. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And so are that you. Would... <laughs> and so are you. Now watch happen. What happens? See, see, Paul is Paul is telling you right here. He's fixing. He's fixing to go into detail and explain the Christian life to you. It's a paradox, folks. It's a paradox. You are a schizophrenic in the greatest sense of the word. If you're honest with yourself. Remember those imaginations I quoted a while ago? See, that dog don't hunt if you think you're sneaking something over on the father. Not if you're his. He don't care about it if you're not. We were all children of wrath at one time. He tells you that in Ephesians 2. Brother Dave read it a couple of programs ago, didn't you, brother? Yes. But I want you to watch. Now, I want you to get this. 
I want, to get, I want you to get, get exactly what Paul's saying, because this is your Christian walk. It is every Christian I've ever met that was honest. I know it's mine. Amen, amen, amen. I say amen to it. It's the ones that act like it's not theirs. That's the folks that, that the doubt goes in my mind about. That's the ones the red flags fly up because I know what the book says. Let God be true and every man a liar. You, did you hear what I just said? Let God be true and every man a liar. Better to put your trust in the Lord than have faith in man, folks. That's why I say those, make those little quib comments all the time about not believing nothing, check it out yourself. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let's look at the Christian life, Brother David. Start at verse 14. Start at For verse 14. Come know. on, it again. Mm-hmm. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do allow not, for what I would, that do I do you better, I better, not. You better, you better go and slow down and read that again, brother. <laughs> okay. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. What Paul's but, saying what, is what he didn't do, he did, and what he did, does want to do, he don't do. He's going to explain it further. Go ahead, Brother David. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. You got that? Do you know who just made that statement? The greatest Christian that ever lived. Wrote three quarters of the New Testament. The one that said, If any man phileo love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be damned. Let him be accursed till he come. First Corinthians sixteen twenty two. He's telling you the battle that you're going to face. The schizophrenic Christian life. What he hates, he does. He hates sin. He realizes it's wrong. What what part of the he am I talking about? The new man hates the old man. You get it? You understand that what I'm saying? It's possible for that for that new man to be so weak that he allows the old man to do everything it wants to. <coughs> do you understand that? The only way the new man can grow is with spiritual things. Well, I just I got through talking about it a while ago. That's the only way it can grow. It's like two dogs. A white dog and a black dog. I used to draw this on the board when I preached before a big audience. Okay? Like a white dog and a black dog. And they got a plate in front of them. And whichever one you feed the most gets the strongest. Okay, you feed the black dog, which is the, the, the old man, or the new dog, which is the new man. Whichever one of them you feed the most gets the strongest and beats the hell out of the other. You want a Christian victory? You want to be able to whoop the old dog, the old man? Then feed the new man. The more you feed him, the stronger he gets. The white dog. You just continue on feeding that old dog. He's going to whip the white dog every time. 
say, oh, I'll just feed them the same. Then you got one hell of a battle going on. And you never make any progress in the Christian life. You never get you in the perfecting process that we're going through. You don't gain ground. Remember the household of faith, some to vessels to honor, some to dishonor. And it tells you if you'll purge yourself from these things, you should be a vessel unto honor. You think Brother Don's just making all this stuff up, huh? I'm giving you good doctrine, folks. Take heed that you listen. Continue on, Brother David. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what would, what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Watch it. Watch what's coming up now. Go ahead. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Whoa! Paul is not doing these things. What's doing it? The sin that dwells in him. In what? The old man. The flesh man. There's something that's happened here, people. It's called spiritual circumcision. Turn to Colossians 2, Brother Dave, and start reading it, verse 11. You've got to get this, folks. You want victory in the Christian life. You want rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. You've got to get this. And there's so many that won't open the book and let the Spirit of God teach them, and they don't get it. It sounds like some kind of heresy. And I'm giving you sound Bible doctrine. Context with context. In case anybody wants to bring that up. Start reading, Brother Dave. Let's see about this circumcision. Watch what the book says, folks. Go ahead. Verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Bingo! Do you see? You, you Read it again, Brother Dave. Just what I've got through telling you. Paul gives you in plain English in Colossians 2. Read it again, brother. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh there you go. by the circumcision of Christ. You got it, folks? That's called the circumcision of Christ. It's done by the Spirit. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Sealed into the day of redemption. That new man, that spiritual man, never, ever, one time sins again. Not ever. The elect cannot sin because his seed remaineth in him. He's born of God. He cannot sin because God's seed remaineth in him. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Do you think I was just pulling those verses out of my hat, or does Brother Dave have to go read them to you? I gave you the reference to one, the other's in the in the epistles of John. Go read them, Brother David. 
In John? Yes, go ahead. In the epistles of John. John, it's in First John chapter 4, I believe it says, He whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, neither can he sin because he's born of God. Because his, sin, his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. That entered man cannot sin. That's the reason it's, it's sealed until the day of redemption, folks. Ephesians 4, it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what the elect gets. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Paul tells you in Romans 8, nobody can. Nothing can. Because God's the one that does it all to the, his elect. His bride, his body, that husband takes care of that bride. That we're we're a spouse to one husband. I'm talking, giving you a chance to find it, brother. <laughs> I got it. Okay, read it to him. First John three nine, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's the new man. That's the inward man. That's the one that's sealed to the day of redemption. It cannot sin. But, folks, that, if you don't understand the schizophrenic Christian life, that old man will talk you in. That old, the spirits will talk you in to doubting your own salvation. That's what will happen. That's, you see, how, how many verses have we got to read? How many contexts do I have to go through to let you know that the elect are the elect? When we get to John 3, you're going to find out, and I, like I said the other night, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to make a couple of comments about it, but you're from above, and you're going back, okay? You got it? That's how you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, okay? You got it? I'm just going to go ahead and make the comments right now. There's not a whole lot of scripture on it. I'm not going to speculate on all the him, 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 run around, all the doctrines running around out there. All speculation or taking scripture out of context. I ain't going to do that. I'm just, I just made a few comments, and I'll make a few more tomorrow night. Okay? And they'll be, and they'll be commented on in... In assumption and speculation, because there's no hardcore verses that prove it. Okay? Don't forget that. I'm telling you up front. But that's the way it, it seems to be. All right? Now go read First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Brother Dave. Let's find out where that seed comes from that you just got through talking about. See, I'm, I'm carrying you all step by step in this doctrine I'm teaching you right now. Verse by verse, context with context, okay? He just told you that it's that seed that keeps you from ever sinning again. All right, let's find out where it comes from. First Peter 1, Peter. This is the born again that all the evangelicals and everything don't even know is in the Scriptures, and they want to give you the born again that's talking about being born from above. All right? They don't even, they don't even know where this one's at, I don't think, most of them. Go ahead and read, brother. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. I want him to read it to you. I quoted it, but I want him to read it to you. All right. We got that. We got that seed. We got that new man, old man. We got that settled in your mind. Any questions about that? I'm going to stop right here and pitch my tent 
And if there's any questions from anybody that does not understand what I'm teaching and does not believe that's what the Bible says about the subject, I want to hear it now or forever hold your peace. I want to hear the questions now to show me where I'm wrong, okay? And I'll, hey, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. You've heard me admit I'm wrong before. I don't have a problem admitting I'm wrong when the Word of God shows me I'm wrong. If there's any questions, what? Is there any questions? Here's another... Here's another verse as well uh, in line with what you're saying is why it's so important for us to have that yardstick, that measuring rod that is always the same, that we can't change no matter how much we dislike a word in it that we don't understand or we think is used unjustly. It is accurate because we're being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. <laughs> so this is the thing that you're born of, Jesus Christ, the word of God. Amen. This cannot be changed. Amen. This cannot be said of that, oh, this isn't what the translator mean. He meant to use something else. No, he meant what he said because he was inspired. And if the, you need more light on it, sure, look up the word and check it out. But we're not changing anything. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen, amen, amen. Any questions in the chat room, brother Kevin? I want to get this settled once, finally, and forever. So nobody be doubting their salvation and doubting their election, the remnant of God. I don't want them to ever doubt it again. If they have, if, if they, if they're in, they're in like Flint. I want them to understand that. And this, all the battles, the spiritual battles, they understand that. Is there any questions? No, sir. Please now, folks. I'm serious. I'm not. I won't yell at you if you disagree with me. Okay. I I, won't you. Won't one of y'all run over there to the verse that says, "He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved." See, I know where the verses are, folks. I know where those verses are that seem to indicate that you can lose your salvation. I know where all of them are. Okay. (laughs) Ain't got nothing to do with you. Not nothing. So, still no questions, Brother Kevin? No, uh, just one thank you from Matthew. So thank you, Pastor You're welcome. Spirits. You're welcome, my brother. You are welcome. Just, just, um, uh, there's three more scriptures I want to, I want to give you folks. Write these down. Memorize them. I'm not going to quote them. I'm going to let Brother David read them to you. Turn to Romans 8, Brother Dave, and read verses Roman, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, 29, and 30. And then I want you to go and read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and read 1 through 4. Okay? I'll guide you along. You don't have to remember what I said. I'll tell you. Go to, okay. <laughs> go to Romans 8 and read verse 28 yeah. through 30. Okay? Okay, I'm there. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. You got that? Stop, 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 stop. I got to stop you. 
Predestination. Do you understand the word, folks? You can't tear it out. It's in every Greek manuscript there is. I just thought I'd throw that in. Okay? You know what predestination means? And everybody wants to run around it. And they'll run to Matthew 24. And they'll run to Mark 13. And they'll run to them verses that seem to prove that you can lose yours. And they don't understand what they're talking about. Because they hadn't rightly divided the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul warns you about it. Now continue on, Brother David. Maybe I won't interrupt you again. Okay. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Past tense. Go ahead. Amen. And whom he called. Then he also justified. Past tense. Go ahead. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Past tense. You're already as good as there, folks. That's how Paul can say ye are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 and read verses 1 through 4, brother. Uh, Ephesians 4 or, or 1? Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 4. Excuse oh, okay. Me. Wrote it down. Okay. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our let Father. Me, let me just point out something for anybody that missed it. I don't think you missed it, did you, Brother Dave? Did you, miss, did you miss the two classifications Paul said right there in the very first verse? Read it again. I want everybody to notice it. Okay. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, Number which one. are at Ephesus, and to two. the faithful in Christ Jesus. <laughs> ah, yes. Continue on, brother. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You got that now? Now go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and, be, and read verse 1 through 4 there. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's just Elect. the strangers. Let me just explain to them. Are the strangers are you guys. We're the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Continue on, brother. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience 
and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, folks, let me just put it in just simple terms where a, kid, where a child can get this. You're saved by his righteousness, not yours. Okay? That's just a simple statement. Anybody can get it. That's what the Word of God says over and over and over again in the New Testament. You're saved by his righteousness, not yours. That's the reason that he, it's the faith of Christ that gets you through. It's not yours. It's that It tells you in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, the grace and faith, is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And you run that and back to the household of God. And the, and the vessels of honor and dishonor, and then clean, and then purging yourself from those bad stuff, that bad stuff, just like Brother Don's teaching you. And how do you do that? Brother Don's teaching you. That's the reason we went run to Romans seven tonight. I wanted to get this get this out of the way finally and forever. I hope. Okay. Now I don't want you. So don't you have no bad thoughts? Okay. And, and, and drop the ball because some bad thoughts come in your head. Remember, your battlefield is spiritual. It's not carnal. It's not fleshy. It's spiritual. And they try, and some of them out there try to steer you away from this stuff. They try to steer you away from this stuff so hard. And the only thing I can say is they are not part of the elect. They do not want to know the truth, and something's driving them that they don't even understand. They think they're doing right, folks. You remember what Brother Dave has read so many times about being taken captive by Satan at Satan's will? He just read it Friday night, didn't you, Brother Dave? Didn't you read it Friday night? Yes, they certainly did. And see, they, and they won't. They, they won't. God's got to do the granting of repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And Satan is the one, the devil's the one that takes him captive at his will to keep the truth from him. It's the Father. See, it's, it's the Father. For the elect, it's the Father all the way. All the way. But God bought the whole world that he could get the pearl of great price. Brother Dave got condemned for bringing that up one time. You remember that, don't you, brother? You oh, remember, yes. <laughs> remember when somebody tried to shoot you down about bringing that, that verse up? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. He bought the world. That's the reason John 3.16 is in the Bible. We'll get to it when we get in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the, that's that covers the whole board. I'm I'm taking I'm I'm taking a knife and slicing and putting the elect separate from that because we've just read you the verses where God did every bit of that. 
but not John 3.16, see? Because he bought the pearl of great price, and he made salvation for the whole world out there. So nobody would have an excuse. There will be no excuses on the day of judgment, folks. None. None. The only ones that have a halfway excuse are going to be the ones that were condemned. They're going to be the seed of Satan. That's going to be the only ones. And I'm not so sure about all that, but we're not going to get into it tonight. Back to Romans 7, brother, and let's wrap this up. Okay. Okay, verse 18, I believe I was at. Uh, yeah. Yep. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. You got that? You see, did you think I would say, I, I know this stuff by heart, folks. Whatever, what I told you prior, I knew it was that. I've been teaching this for 42 years. Okay? Continue on, brother. For... To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Whoa. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, Evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. How much plainer plainer can it get, folks? That's as clear, that's as plain... It, it it would take somebody with a knife running in with a malice of forethought to try to, to cut away the simplicity that's in those verses Brother Dave just read. Everything that he's just read is what I framed up about the white dog and the black dog and about the inward man and about the outward man and all that stuff. I mean, the new creature versus the old man, all that, the new man, the old man, all that stuff. That's all throughout the epistles of Paul. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. And we all have this battle. Continue on, Brother Dave. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Do you understand that now, folks? Now, watch Paul's first, right at, watch what comes out of his mouth next. Turn to Romans 8, brother, and read the first couple of verses. Watch what comes out of his mouth now. See, when you turn, you haven't got away from Paul's mindset that he's been carrying on through Romans 4, 5, and 6. He's bringing, this is the only theological book that he wrote. I told you all the other night. I've told you a million times if you've been with me. You've heard it a million times. I know. Sick of it, probably. This is Paul's theological discourse. 
And I brought up the ION words the other night. Propitiation, sanctification, salvation, justification, redemption, all all those ION words. That's what the book of Romans is about. Now, he, he's carrying this thought from Romans 7 into Romans 8. He just said that I thank God through the, our Lord Jesus Christ that with my mind, that's that inward man, that's part of the inward man, I myself serve the law of God, does not ever sin again, cannot sin because it's born of God, but with the flesh, with the flesh, the law of sin. That's the outward man, that's the old dog, that's the black dog, that's the one Brother Don was telling you about by trying to use a, something you could get your mind wrapped around and understand this. With two plates in front of them, whichever one you feed the most, that's the one that's going to win the battle. I'm going to say it one more time. The one you feed the most is going to win the battle. Now watch, Paul's, watch what comes out of Paul's mouth. Therefore... Therefore, therefore what, Paul? Therefore, because of verse 25 in Romans 7, he makes the statement in Romans 8, chapter 1, therefore. Isn't that what the first word says, brother? There is therefore. There you go. There is therefore no condemnation. Just read it to him, brother. Certainly. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay, that condemnation there is, there is no eternal condemnation. Okay, but there is temporary, there is temporary condemnation. I've, I've, we've went through this before. Paul goes and says, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if ye do mortify the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. That's what he's talking about. Like I said, even old Peter had a rough time with it. The old fisherman. Read the next verse, brother. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen, amen, amen. And he posts right on down to tell you here in Romans 8, he tells you about all this good stuff, and it's all conditioned on one thing. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Read that to him, Brother David. I think it's down around verse 6. But just, just read um, on down to verse 6. I think it's verse 6. Okay. Till you get to where it says, If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You hear me say that. I quote that verse all the time, folks. Because I never know who's in the chat room, and I do not know who the downloaders are. Go ahead, brother. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Okay, them that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. Them after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Go ahead, brother. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Watch it. If so, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Bingo. That's what I want you to get. That's what I want you to get. Okay. Any questions in the chat room? We're going to stop right here. That's some heavy stuff for some of you folks. You've never heard you never heard teaching. If I don't know how many new folks is in the chat room. I'm not there. I mean, I, it says I'm there, but I'm not. I'm in the Bible. I got the Bible in front of me. Okay. That's probably some heavy teaching to somebody. I know it is for some of the downloaders. But any of you guys got any questions about anything that we've just got there going over? Think about it for a second, because or, or bring your questions back with you next time. I don't mind going back over any of this stuff, okay? I can do it from memory. Don't have to have my Bible. You call me if you have problems with it. You get my telephone number, every single program, my address. If you write me, if you can't call, if you don't have a phone, write me. <laughs> okay? Doesn't matter. We'll deal with this stuff. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for you. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Brother Dave's here for you. Brother Kevin's here for you. We're not here for ourselves. That's great teaching. It really sheds light on an area that in my Christian walk I've heard almost no preachers talking about ever. And this is a daily battle. This is the daily position of a Christian. And yet, it seems to be ignored by so many. Amen, brother. And there, and, it, and it, what it does, by not giving... Turn to, just go and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, brother. And let's read the, the uh, armor of the Christian. Okay? Mm-hmm. Paul's going to use these military metaphors... To, get, to give you armament for everything we've talked about tonight, folks, okay? And Brother Dave's fixing to read them. Therefore, put on the whole armor yes. of God. Go ahead, Brother. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Go on, brother. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Real quick, turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and read verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's a wild weapon, isn't it? That's a that's a that's a powerful thing, folks. Do you hear what he just said? <laughs> the, oh, by the way, that's a little W, isn't it, brother David? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, folks, that's a powerful. Read that again. Listen, you li- folks, listen. Take this in. What he's saying right here. Go ahead, read it again, brother. Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Got that now? You open this book and it'll cut you and it'll you use it as a spirit, the sword, and it'll cut them. It is a weapon. It is a cleansing agent. It discerns your thoughts. That's the reason most people won't read it. And a lot of people they read something that don't it ain't even the word of God. Because it's pleasing to their ears. You know, after Christ went up that hill at Calvary and gave himself for you and me, and shed his blood, and the Father had to turn his back on the Son for him to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some people won't even take the time to spend in this precious book that he's given you to build your faith, to wash you, to strengthen you, and to use as a weapon. It's your only offensive weapon, by the way, in your armament. That and prayer. Did you catch that a while ago? Did you catch it? The Word of God and prayer. So, oh, I, I, don't, I don't need to read the Bible. No, you know what? It knows all about you and tells it. <laughs> it knows all about you and tells you. Either that book will keep you from your sin. I want you to listen to me. Either this book will keep you from your sin, or your sin will keep you from this book. It's that simple. A child can understand what I just said. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take the word that's been said tonight, the word of God, I pray that you'd burn it into the hearts of the ones in the chat room. Take each and every one of them, Father, use them for your honor and glory. The ones that download this program, Father, I pray that you'd do the same for them. You know their hearts. You know their needs. You know their mind. You know the innermost thoughts, Father. You know the desires of their heart. 
He also knows their shortcomings and failures. Prop them up. Use this book. Use this book for your glory. Use this book always the way you meant to use it. Father, always make what we put out, what we say, be according to your book, according to your word. And whatever we do and whatever takes place in the future, we'll give you all the praise and the honor. For it's in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask these things, and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Yes, Father, amen. Amen, brother. The contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 334-397-2333. The email address is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017, Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, good job, Brother David, Brother Kevin, and thanks a lot, you folks, for being there in the chat room tonight, and Lord willing and health permitting, we'll be back tomorrow night, and we'll continue on in the Gospel of John. Love each and every one of you, and pray that God blesses you and answers your prayers in the mightiest of ways. The Lord willing, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Good night, Brother Dave. Good night, Pastor Don. Good, Good night, night all. Kevin. Good night, all. <laughs>